everybody. This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. I'm here with my co-host as usual, Ian. How are you? Doing good. Doing very good. Hey, so let's do this real quick. So let's do our socials. So you can reach us at haterradio.com uh, on Twitter uh, at hater underscore radio, haterradio1 at gmail.com for email. And then Ian, how do we reach you? Uh, yes, Instagram, G double underscore gator, double underscore G and YouTube gen- channel, uh, G Gator G. Okay, so that's how you reach us. Um, as far as the what we do, we're a college football podcast. We mainly talk about um the better teams in college football if they be group of five whatever power five we talk about the better teams and you know for the most part we talk about florida teams but we talk about pretty much anyone that is playing good then we will find them and we will seek them out and you know we watch the the games that you don't watch which most people don't but we know that people are fans of college football and uh, you know, if they want a good smattering of what is going on, we do that. Ian is well versed in almost every player team in college football. So there's not a single person that isn't good that he doesn't know about. So um, with that being said, what we do in the show every week, we do a, uh, a recap of the games that happened previously and then we will do a rundown of the Heisman standings of the t- the players that are standing out, and then a uh, our potential playoff teams. And then lastly, we'll do a uh, look ahead to the coming games. And so we do that every week. We do the same show. And I think what we try to do is just uh, parlay our our love for college football to the rest of y'all. And so I think we're doing a really good job with that. We actually, uh, me and Ian happened to be in Gainesville for the USF Florida game. And uh, even though we didn't meet up, it just was like by chance we didn't meet up. But it was, um, I was a little bit late to to Gainesville. I had my brother and my dad's birthday were uh, a couple days before. So we were celebrating on Saturday before I went up uh, to Gainesville. So it... Um, it delayed me getting up there. I wanted to get up there around like three or four, but I didn't get up there to like five thirty. So it was kind of like a mad dash to get up there. But we ended up handing out uh, stickers and whatnot. And a friend of mine was wearing a Hater Radio shirt, and we were talking to people. And so we, I think we did pretty good because it wasn't like perfect, but it was it, it it came off pretty well. And the game was interesting to say the least. But we'll we'll talk about that in the uh, the recap. So let's go ahead and start. Um, Week three, uh, there was a Friday game, which was FSU Louisville. We we were split on that. Ian ended up being right, and it was actually very close to what the score was. Um, I thought that Louisville was going to pull it off, but Florida State uh, kind of pulled one out of their ass because uh, Jordan Travis got hurt, and it looks like it's pretty significant because he was like – um on crutches at the end of the game so i don't think he'll be back anytime soon but who knows um the kid came in um god i can't remember his name is it rodemaker is that what it's called or oh the uh backup for uh yeah. Florida state yeah uh, yeah yeah so he comes in and he played pretty well he looks like he definitely needs to eat a sandwich because he's got tiny yeah. arms he looks he reminds me actually of uh 
Blackman, the other quarterback they had a couple yeah. years ago, and that guy looked like he needed to eat a sandwich too. And like, um, he's just small frame, like small guy, but still has a decent arm. He got um, the job done. He's yeah, I know. And it, but you know, I'm. I'm not completely sold on Louisville yet. You know, they, they lost to Syracuse and they barely beat UCF, which I'm not like, I'm not giving any credit to anyone that beats UCF this year. Cause I don't think they're that great, especially with uh Plumley at quarterback. So um, I don't know the all these Florida state fans are thinking that three and O is so great, but their schedule so, coming up. Relatively speaking, it is for what they've been through. Yeah. But, it's going to go back down to earth because they got Wake, they got Syracuse, they got Clemson, they got Miami. There, There's at least four losses right there. And then there's Florida, there's Louisiana, and then there's there's like one other tough one that they might lose to. So I can see at least four or five losses coming up. So I know they're excited, you know, good for them. I'm glad they are, but um, I don't know. I just, I don't see it. I, I know that everyone's enamored by it but again they're not playing anyone that tough i guess the the lsu game is looking better after lsu did what they did but i still you know lsu was coming off of such a bad couple of years bad two years that it was like gonna be disorganized especially even in that first game i think brian kelly's kind of like you know organized it a little better since then they've looked better you know especially the what they did saturday but um i don't know regardless i'm not i'm not sold that fsu has righted the ship yet i think if they could beat wake forest that would say something if they could beat syracuse that would say something i don't think that's going to happen i think they're going to lose to both i think they'll lose to clemson i think they'll lose to miami um i just don't think they're very good and it's just by luck of the draw with their schedule they're able to do what they are right now and they have a hot start and it's like yeah that's great but you know in the long run it's not going to mean anything when they go six and six or five and seven you know oh well i'd say that that'd be bowl eligible for them i will say on my half out of those four i know the schedule coming up they got well i know they play boston college uh this week um which is a bit of a trap game i guess but I know Wake Forest, NC State, Clemson. Oh, Miami. NC State. Yeah, they're losing yeah. NC State. They're not beating those, NC State. Those for those are their ranked teams. Yeah, I could see them winning at least one of those. I don't see them winning any of them. Not against Clemson, but I could see some teams sleeping on them and Florida State jumping on it. That's my thing with this team. Don't get me wrong, I'm not. I know I you're not. Them. I I know but, you're just trying to be a Florida realist State, on this. I can, I, I can see them being a trap game for a team and fighting one of those teams. And I, cause I think that's what happened with this Louisville game is that yeah. Florida state, it wasn't just that Jordan Travis got injured to me. That wasn't the biggest thing. Yeah. Florida state was trying to lose this game. They did every, like they missed the two field goals. They were getting penalties. They kept giving the ball back to Louisville. Yeah. And they were just out. I, I remember when they missed the field goal uh, the second time and Cunningham got the ball back and God bless him. He tried everything, but there's just not the talent there needed to support a quarterback of Cunningham's caliber. Yeah. I, I was just thinking though, like, dude, they're just asking to lose this game. It's going to be one of those games where 
They play really well, but in the end, it just falls apart for them. But they found a way to hang on. That rushing attack has been superb for them. I thought, again, they played um, Decane early in the year, and obviously they had a great rushing game. But I was, again, grain of salt. It's a D2 school. But that seems to be their bread and butter because, again, um, the... uh, once Travis went down, it kind of, you know, they had to go to Rodemaker, but he only threw the ball, I think, 10 times. But out of those 10 times, he got two touchdowns. Um, he did throw a pick, but that running attack, they averaged, I think, they almost had 200 yards. Um, and uh, Tashawn Ward, I know, had a great, he was averaging like 12 yards of carry. But I'm not saying Florida State is back, but relatively speaking, they're not looking as bad as I thought they would be going into this year. And again, it largely has to do with the schedule, Ian. It's not yes. necessarily pertaining to quality teams. And again, LSU if you also look point. at it, if you look at it, my, Miami finally played a quality opponent and they lost to Texas A&M. So really... That's what it all boils down to. It it just depends on who they're playing. Like you can look great. I mean, Louisville's gonna end up being like a six and six team, like a five and seven team. That's just what they are. They don't have the talent there to be a nine and three, ten and two team. And so, you know, getting a win over them, like and and LSU, like, yeah, I know they be, you know, they had that good result on Saturday, but um, do they do they end up seven and five? More than likely, right? They're going to lose to Arkansas. They're going to lose to Alabama. They're going to lose to uh, Texas A&M. LSU is going to have a lot of losses, and they may lose to Florida. So, like, that's at least four losses right there for LSU. And I don't know. I just, I am, I'm looking at it. I'm trying to look at it as objectively as I can, and looking at what Florida State is, because I know they are better, and I'm not denying that. I'm just saying. What they have done schedule-wise is why they are where they are. Once, Because, you know, in years past when they've had that first game, they've played a tougher opponent the first game and they've got smoked. And that was really the difference. They didn't play as tough as an opponent as they usually have. And so they were able to win this one, even though they barely won it. They won it because it was a missed extra point at the end. But, you know, uh, yeah, I know. But, uh, um I don't know. It's just uh, I think I think Florida State will come back to earth once um, you know they go through this stretch, and you know it's a tough stretch. And you know, like if they're gonna actually, if they were to win one or two of those games, then I would be able to say it. But I, I'm I'm almost positive because I've been Ian almost. Since they've gone on that downturn since 2017, I have been almost like to a T, like pick their games. Like I've like I've almost missed very little on the games that they've lost. Like I've like almost picked almost every single time. I'd probably say I'm like 75% of picking their losses. I would definitely wouldn't have known Jacksonville State, that's for sure. But yeah, uh, but no, but like they've because the competitive teams they play in the ACC, they've almost always lost the last five years. And that is really the difference is because, you know, they played Louisville as not a competitive team. So once they play the Clemsons, the Wake Forest, and that's where it's like they 
they're they got kind of unlucky because like um sam hartman came back and it's like it kind of screws them because it's like maybe they would have had a chance with his backup and his backup didn't do too bad but sam hartman's really good and that makes wake very dangerous going into that florida state game i mean they got their big game coming up Saturday, but we'll talk about that later. Let's move on because we've been talking about Florida State way too long. I don't like I don't like talking about them too long. So, yeah. uh, okay, so I mean, this game I watched the first quarter and I was just like, once it was at like a certain point, I was like, man, if if uh, I think it was a fourth down play or something where it was like. If South Carolina does not make a play here, this game is literally over right now. And it was literally in the first quarter, and I'm like. Um, and I don't know, Georgia is looking very good, but it's again, circumstances per se, Bo Nix, I don't really like in Oregon, you know, so that was a wash a little bit, but the last game was a, a tomato can before this. And then South Carolina, I, I've, ne- I've not think anything of them. I don't think they're very good. I don't think. Uh, Shane Beamer is going to be there very long. I'm basically what I think he is, is like that um, Derek Dooley guy that was at uh, Tennessee for a few years. That's exactly who I think he is. He's a son of a former coach, uh, a well-respected coach, and he lucked his way into the job and kept getting promoted and promoted and then finally getting a big time job like Tennessee or or South Carolina here. And, I just don't see it. Like I, I envision South Carolina probably going five and seven, and Rattler is not a terrible quarterback. He did decent at Oklahoma for a, a stretch, but um, you know Georgia is just way better than a team like South Carolina. They're not even on the same planet. That's and, I. I think the biggest thing from this game is Georgia. There's. Georgia, and then there's everybody else. Is what uh, it looks I wouldn't like. say that. That there are top teams right now that are good. I would say they're good, but Georgia is dismantling. They're not just beating the teams they're supposed to. They are just flat out dismantling them. It was, and again, relatively speaking, South Carolina was not the strongest opponent, and I don't think they really played the strongest of teams. But they're winning the games that they should be handedly. Yeah. And they are really flexing their muscles here. It's been just utter domination for them. Really, after the first quarter, once Georgia has it, they're they're on they're coasting at that point. Yeah, I mean I I'm trying to think. You know, they ran the ball for two hundred yards. And pass it for 339. I don't know. It was, it just seemed like South Carolina. Well, yeah, offensively, I mean, it wasn't flashy. It goes back to that defense is just so suffocating. Yeah. I mean, they had three picks. So that really is a difference there. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, I guess. With Georgia's schedule, I'm trying to think where they've got next. They've got Kent State next, so that doesn't show anything. And then they have Missouri and Auburn and Vanderbilt. They have about the weakest first six games I've ever seen. But their back four is really tough. They've got Florida, Tennessee, at Mississippi State, and at Kentucky. 
So they'll have a stretch where they're actually going to get tested. But I really don't think any of those teams are going to really I – don't, I don't see either, any of those teams really winning. I think the team that really is the only one that's going to stand in their way is Alabama in the SEC championship game and then whatever playoff team they play, which right now I do like the chances of the playoff team against them. I know you think they look great against this competition, but like honestly, I think that a team like USC – or a team like Ohio State could beat this Georgia team because they haven't seen an offense like this. And that's what I said last year. And that's what was the difference when Alabama beating them was that they didn't see an offense like that. And they got Michigan in that semifinal game and Michigan has a terrible offense. And so it's like, again, until they see an offense, and they got lucky in that championship game when those two, uh, when Jameson Williams got hurt. And if they have an offense that they're going up against that's really high powered, they're going to struggle against that. And that's just the truth of the matter. Remember what I said too last year is that it goes the other way around. There's offenses that haven't seen a defense like that. So it can work the other way around. Ian, Alabama scored like 40 plus points on them. And yes, in the SEC championship, but in the game that mattered, the game that mattered, dude, the, Jameson Williams got hurt. The only only reason that Georgia won that game was because Jameson Williams got hurt. If he's not hurt, if he doesn't literally hurt his 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 knee on that play, he probably scores a touchdown on that play, and then it's a completely different game exactly from there. And if he's completely healthy the rest of the game, they probably win that game. They probably win that game by, like, two scores. Probably, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you on that one. I just think – Georgia adjusting to Bama because that whole game they made uh, young uncomfortable, and that was the first time I've ever seen that. Yeah, was, after after Jamison Williams got after Jamison Williams got hurt, that was even before his injury. He couldn't have time in the pocket. He got uncomfortable, and then the, the injury kind of was waving the white flag at that point because I'm I'm sure Bryce don't have to be like, yeah, but oh, it was shit, still, I got to do this all even by though, myself. Yeah, even though Jamison got hurt, they were still only down by one score when they had the ball with like two minutes left. Me, so it wasn't if like Williams doesn't get injured. It's still a toss up. No, I could no. see Bama winning, Georgia, winning. No, Georgia wins that. Alabama Georgia. wins that game if Jamison Williams plays the rest of that game. I guarantee it. And I've heard countless other people that I trust and believe in as as analysts say the same thing. It's because uh their offense is so much more dynamic with a player like that. And it's it's obvious. Like, that guy is super speed, and none of their DBs could cover him. And that was the difference. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's obviously not much you can prove because, you know, he didn't play, and that's just the game, and they ended up winning. I still think that if a team like Clemson can figure out and I know Ohio State's going to have a good offense, and I know Alabama's going to have a good offense coming into the playoff. I still like the field more than I like Georgia, and that's where is the difference this year because last year Ohio State didn't play in the playoff, and this year more than likely Georgia's going to play is going to have to play one of them. Either they're going to have to play um, Alabama or they're going to have to play Ohio State in that first game, and I don't think they can beat either one of those this year and i like usc too as well because i think usc looks very good with caleb williams and jordan addison and uh travis man travis die i don't know if you saw the the yeah. usc highlights we'll talk about it but like he looks damn good i know he was good last year but like 
he already looks comfortable in that offense. And like, I mean, look the hell out. Like if they can really like, if they can figure out the defense a little bit more, I think they're going to be really dangerous. And that's a team that, I mean, all three of those teams, all the, uh, Ohio State, Alabama, and USC are very solid offensive teams that will put up a lot of points. And I, this is why, I mean, I know Stetson's done well against some kind of crappy defenses, but, you know, he's not going to be able to put up 40 points and match with another team like that when they're scoring like 40 points. I don't know. I, don't, I, just, I just don't see it. And especially if he's forced to throw, which right now, they're able to mix up the run in the pass, so it makes a difference there. So they're like, they're kind of keeping people on their toes and like, you know, a little bit m- mysterious with their play calling. But once the, if he gets if he's down in a game, I have no faith in Georgia coming back and winning. I really do not. I know they won that national championship uh, coming back, uh, but. I still don't see it against these other teams this year. I really don't, at least right now. And according to what these injuries are, because if, if they stay healthy, I like these teams more than I like Georgia, just my truth of the matter. And I'm not trying to be biased. I'm just trying to use an evaluation of what it is. Cause I still don't love their offense. And that's really the key. Like the defense is strong, but the offense is, I think the weakest part, which it is good, but it's like, I don't really – I don't like their play calling. I don't think it's like that imaginative. And their wide receivers, besides Brock Bowers, name another wide receiver for Georgia. Well, Bowers is a tight end, but <laughs> Well, that's what I'm Pretty saying. Like, I meant yeah. it as a receiver, like like a receiving, like, player. Like, name another – like, what is – I don't know any of their receivers. The one guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, is it A.D. Mitchell? Is that his name? Well, I know they have, like, you know, McCon- um McConkie, McConkie, but McConkie's McConkie's average. And they have a Donnie, a Donnie Mitchell. Yeah, Mitchell. That's Mitchell is the only one I know, and it's because he caught that ball in the championship game. That's it. I haven't heard his name this year. Have you? Like I haven't. I mean, I haven't seen much. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying though. That's that's where it's like I'm not really. I don't know. I'm I'm always wait to see, and I know they won it last year, and yes, they did win it, but. Let the games be played before we determine anything. Okay, so let's move on. That was way too long on Georgia and Florida State. That's really <laughs> bad taste in my mouth. So uh, BYU, Oregon, I am blown away by this one. I had no idea this was going to be the score. I saw it when I was in the stadium, and I was like, what the hell? Um, Oregon wins 41-20, and Bo Nix actually looked good. In the highlights I saw, I was like, who is this guy? And I was surprised because BYU is a good team and like they dominated that game. It really wasn't even close. Like it was like a blowout from like the get go. And I don't know. It just seemed like BYU was like struggling to move the ball and like get conversions and get, you know, get scores. So it just, I'm not, I'm not giving up on BYU. I still think they can have a really solid year. They have, Arkansas, they have to play as well. So they have some other tough games they're going to have to play. But um, very disappointing considering that they beat Baylor last week. Uh, I just had high hopes. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Ian? Yeah, the um, I was surprised on this one too. I had thought at the very least, I did, you know, say Oregon. I, was, I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon did win this, but I was all on BYU. Um, 
but the way Oregon won, yeah, that was the thing that was um, kind of surprising to me. Um, <laughs> I kind of felt um, bad, though, because Jaron Hall still had a really good game. He threw it for over 300 yards. Um, but, yeah, like you said, Bonex had a very uh, good game. He was very uh, way to move in the pocket and stuff. It's kind of the enigma with him. There are games he looks really good and can make game – game, you know, deciding plays. And then there's other times he makes game deciding plays, but for the other team. Yeah. Um, but I think <laughs> the the, uh, the thing was they were able to balance it. BYU, who they, you know, they played, obviously, USF was kind of a layup, and Baylor, who was kind of a pass-heavy team, and played a balanced team. And I, the defense yeah. kind of struggled with that. They couldn't, yeah. you know, they as soon as they commit to the run, it was a play-action pass. As soon as they commit to the pass, go next draw, run from uh, Irving or Washington um, to just get those first. And that was the thing is that they just kept converting and getting first downs. And BYU just could not get off the field. And that's really what did it in. Um, yeah. It was, yeah, complete domination from Oregon. Um, Oregon's looking pretty good, you know, especially with the outlook of their schedule. This was definitely a kind of revitalizing win for the season, but um, I would say for BYU and for the rest of the group of fives, it's pretty disappointing because now it's not looking like we were getting another. BYU was kind of the hope for any group of five being a dark horse for the playoff. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much out the window now. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I guess Oregon looks like they're – have some possibility in the season now considering how bad that Georgia loss was, but I still think USC and Utah are the, the top dogs in the PAC 12 as of right now. I like both of them. Um, you know, Utah has that loss to Florida, but, uh, USC is undefeated and I don't know, man, I, I guess, <laughs> If I would, if you were to ask me right now, who would probably win the Pac-12? I'm probably gonna say Utah, because even though I like U- USC, I still think Utah is really damn good, and I really was impressed with them against Florida. I'm surprised they didn't win that game. I really am now, looking at what Anthony Richardson's performance has been the last two weeks. But um, so Utah, I would. I wouldn't be surprised if Utah ended up uh, winning the Pac-12 and getting into the playoffs. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, Ole Miss, Georgia Tech, we'll do this real quick. Blowout, 42-0. Not really much to talk about because Georgia Tech ended up firing Jeff uh, Collins anyway. So, um, he had a terrible run. I think he only had a few victories every every year. So, it's like it's probably – just, I mean, he was at Temple at one point and then got the job at Georgia Tech. So, uh, Are they I mean, fired he, him? yeah, they fired him like Monday. Oh, they did. Yeah. They, they fired, uh, they fired Jeff Collins and then Herm Edwards got fired. Like, I think he was like on the field, allegedly. Yeah. They fired her. Yeah. Arizona State. I was about to say, too, with the Georgia Tech. That was the only thing I was going to say is that it's time to pull the plug on yeah. Jeff Collins because you he went three and nine. He won three games this first year, three games the next year, three games last year, and then he gets shut out at home against a 
not that Ole Miss is bad, but you're supposed to put up a fight to show progress. Yeah, but kind of, kind Ole, Miss, Ole Miss is pretty good, though, and yeah, I will admit that. Like that, when yeah. your only win wins are against teams that have worse records than you and are in FCS. Yeah, that's that's not the sign that program's going in the right direction. Yeah. Yep. Okay, moving on. Uh, Penn State, Auburn. I mean, speaking of firing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Ian, you got this one right, but this one was way, way big of a blowout. Forty-one to twelve. Uh, Penn thought, State wins. Yeah, I thought Auburn could try. <laughs> Penn State completely went in and pantsed them in their home uh, stadium. I was, and and that was the thing I was thinking about this game is that I thought these teams were actually pretty equal to each other in terms of talent. Yeah, and I still actually believe that. I actually think Auburn is the equivalent to Penn State. Yeah, but just the execution was abysmal. Yeah, there's so many turnovers. I'm, I'm yes. trying to think. I'm I'm looking it up right now because it was, I was watching the you know the recap and I was like, uh, okay, so two, they had two interceptions and two fumbles lost. So, and, and I think and Penn State didn't turn over the ball at all. So that's the difference. Four four plus turnover margin is going to be the difference there. And and it's funny too because despite them being blown out, Auburn that that is really the most telling thing is that Auburn had over 400 yards of offense, and I think they even had more first downs. But, geez, just turning the ball over four times and then not capitalizing in the red zone. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah, it's bad. And it's like I said, speaking of firing, I, I know they wanted to fire Harrison last summer, but uh, they didn't find the dirt they needed to not want to pay his buyout. But, man, I don't know with Auburn, with a game like this, you have Penn State, who you should be at least with. If you're going to, this is why I say, if you're going to lose to a team that's of equal grounding, yeah. you got to at least like compete or make it look like you are evenly matched. This one was it, Penn State, you know, even though Auburn was getting these down the field, it's still like Penn State had a stranglehold on the whole game, and that's not the look you want. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I, Penn State has a good start, which is good for them. But I just, um, it's more telling about Auburn and where they're going because it really seems like it's going to be a downward trend and like, um, it's going to be a struggle to win six games. And, uh, Penn State will probably win nine games because they'll probably lose to Michigan and Ohio State and maybe even Michigan State. So, but, um, it's really, this game was, uh, uh, like, completely on Auburn. You know, four turnovers, that's huge. Um, the rest of the stats are relatively even. Um, so it wasn't like there was that much difference. It just really was, like you said, not being able to execute in the red zone and the turnover. So let's move on. Uh, Liberty Wake Forest, dude. I saw some of the highlights, but they had like like, like a mixed bag of like how they did it. Because sometimes if like there's a crazy ending, they end up like showing more of the ending than the rest of the game. So it went from like only showing like like two of the scores to then like 
fast forwarding to like the end of the game and I'm like, whoa, where are the rest of these scores? But that ending was crazy. And oh, yeah. I loved that Hugh Freeze went for it there because he's like, you know what? Fuck he it. I'm, I know. And he I'll almost never, got I'll it. Never it was credit a coach going for a win. No, especially when when you're an overmatched team as well. When like, you know, if you go to overtime, there's no guarantee that you're going to win, especially with a team that has Sam Hartman as their quarterback as well while you're playing against. So Liberty took the chance, rolled the dice. All they have to do is score that two-point conversion, and the game is basically over. Well, it was like still like a minute left. So Sam had some time, so he could have – got them in place but either way they missed it and that was game over from there but uh liberty loses 36 37 so wake forest continues on a a really hot start um anything stands out to you um i would say i mean in terms of overmatch it looked the other way around but again turnovers is what killed liberty i know they committed over four turnovers but they had almost uh they had over 400 yards i think they had almost double the amount um, or 100 more yards than um, Wake Forest did. Um, and I know they definitely won the time of possession battle. And that was what they were trying to do is just keep that ball away from Sam Hartman and that, you know, pass-heavy offense. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, you can only do that for so long. And it looks like Liberty had it in the bag when they Wake Forest had a fourth-quarter surge. And Liberty was hanging in there, but it, they just couldn't hang on it. It slipped away. Yeah, they... They had four turnovers as well, so that's that's a huge difference right there. Um, yeah, rushing wise, Liberty was killing them, and their you know their quarterback is really good. I like that kid. Um, what's his name? Uh, let me see. Salter. Yeah, yeah, Salter's really good, and he's he's elusive, and he's got a decent arm, and he can you know he's got a nice touch to it too. Okay, so moving on. This is a surprise game. I we both thought that Mississippi State was going to like easily handle this game, but um, and they were. Mississippi State, LSU. Yeah, I know they were, and then LSU wins thirty-one sixteen. They were up into the second second half, into the third quarter, and then LSU just took over, and yeah, you know, it was still a one-score game with like five minutes left, but then you know, just the wheels fell off completely for Mississippi State. And I don't know, sometimes I'm like kind of mystified with Mike Leach because he's like, he'll have these games where he puts up a ton of points and then he comes into games like this. this. Yeah, where it's like he only puts up 16 and I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I don't know why. I I know the fact that they only put up 16 is that I remember thinking, like, how did you lose this game? You had complete control even when it was the score was 16 to 10. I was thinking, okay, I get it's a one possession game, but Mississippi State was handling LSU for three quarters, and somehow either Mississippi State turned the switch off and LSU turned it on at the same time. Yeah, the fourth quarter was a completely different story. It's like the gas ran out for Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Daniels looked pretty good in, um, you know his you know running ability and uh you know just command of the offense for lsu he didn't have a crazy amount of passing yards 210 which is not crazy amount but he had 93 rushing yards which is a lot and uh he just was effective at getting first downs and um 
I mean, God, Butte looking average, man, for a guy that's yeah. going to be a top 15 pick. Like, I'm surprised he's – he must just be like, I don't give a shit just going through the motions. Let me get out of here. Let me get to the NFL type thing. And I think that's really what it seems like. Um, but uh, Rodgers only had 242 yards for Mississippi State, so that's disappointing. I mean, they threw it 42 times, so you would think with 42 passes – They'd have a lot more yards, but that's what they ended up with. He had a pick in that game. Um, I don't know. It's I'm just Mississippi State is totally fine with Mike Leach, and Mike Leach seems to be fine with Mississippi State. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like anyone's going anywhere. He's in the most competitive league in college football. He likes college football. You know, I don't see him going to any other job. He literally left a like cushy job at Washington State to come to Mississippi State. So I think, I think at this point, he's just there and he's there as long as they want. Like it's, it's a mutual, like, let's keep this going type thing because Mississippi State's always been a team that's kind of struggled, unless, you know, really those Dan Mullen years, but like, like the last 40, 50 years, Mississippi State has kind of struggled. So to have someone like Leach who keeps them relatively competitive in most games, that's all they're really asking for. They're not asking for, you know, 11 and 1, 12 and 0. They're just asking to be competitive so that they can score and, uh, you know, every couple of games they steal a, a, a game against a rival or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Um, Texas Tech, NC State, interesting inter intra or inter conference game. Uh, NC State wins twenty seven fourteen. Um, you know, I really like this NC State team. I know they struggled against Eastern Carolina that or East Carolina that first game, but I don't know. I they're kind of like quietly just keep on it, keeping moving on, just keep doing better. Just like, you know, that's a solid win. Like they weren't going to, you know, they could have blown out Texas tech, but it was like, they kind of like kept a minute, but at the same time, they didn't really keep a minute because you never, you knew that like from what I was watching, like it was like, it doesn't look like Texas tech could come back in this game because they were no, go ahead. Yeah. It, it was because just NC State was playing keep away. Yeah, and, they knew yeah, Texas right. had, had this explosive offense, but they had over thirty minutes of possession time. I remember. And yeah. the other thing was too was that not only were they being playing keep away, they were capitalizing on the turnovers. I remember there was the pick six, yeah, and they scored off a couple other turnovers. And Texas Tech, I think, had over four turnovers. Yeah, they and had again, four turnovers happens, as well. You're lucky to stay in a game. Yeah, exactly. And that seems to be a trend for the last couple of ones we've been talking about, you know, because all three of these teams that ended up losing these games were all four turnovers. So, you know, you win that if you if you don't uh, give up turnovers and you at least cause a turnover or two, you're more than likely going to win most games that you play. Um, but, yeah, they they look solid. I mean, they gave up. They gave up a decent amount of yards, you know, 353. It's not like a ton. It's not like 500, but still, you know, it was almost 300 yards passing 299. So it's decent there. But 
they're one of those teams that are like very solid at what they do. They're well coached. They're going to make very few errors, NC State, and they're going to be in contention for the ACC. I think the the game against Clemson is going to be huge. So I'm excited for that to see where where that uh, division gets uh, decided in that game. So, um, so let's move on. Um, yeah, let's just do it. Cause it's right in the middle of this. So the big game on Saturday, the, the game that both me and Ian went to, it was my first time at a game in Gainesville for Florida that I've seen since like 2011, maybe even 2010. So it's been almost 12 years. I cannot believe it has been that long. I used to go to so many games before that point. I like from like 06 to 2010, I probably went to like at least 10 games. And even if we didn't go to games, we would just go up to Gainesville to hang out because it was like Mm -hmm. such a vibe at the time. You know, it was like, you know, Tebow was there. Urban Meyer was coaching. It was like, you know, the team was so good and it was just so fun to be in Gainesville. We just, we always wanted to go and we went to like countless games just to hang out and have fun. Um, but, um, so I was glad to be back and I had a lot of fun. I, I brought a friend of mine that had never been before and it was his first actually college football game. And he had, I mean, like, I was like, dude, Every other college football game is going to be a huge disappointment that you're not going into the swamp after coming into this because you're going to be like, wait, it isn't like the swamp, you know? Like, yeah. and I was like, just and I because I kind of primed him before we jumped, like walked into our seats. I was like, uh, just wait. Once you once we go through this, you're going to be quite uh, in in awe of this. And he he was like, wow, this is freaking awesome. And then like I told him. Uh, I told him that there was something big coming between the third and fourth quarter. I didn't tell him what it is. And he's a huge Tom Petty fan. And he, like I was, we were talking about Tom Petty before when we were driving up. So he actually kind of knew and he was like, it must be, uh, won't back down. And he went to a night game. Yeah. Yeah. And like when they had the lights and everything, it was, I love that. That's probably one of the coolest traditions because it's like those other songs that other teams have, most of those connections to the songs are like nothing. Tom Petty was Virginia. I mean, it's in the name. Like for country. Oh, yeah. That but yeah, I guess. But like Tom Petty grew up in uh Alachua County and worked at the University of Florida in the maintenance crew or the the landscaping crew. So like Tom Petty is a gator and like you know, always been a Gator and always been a Gainesville son. And like, you know, it's huge to have that. And like, it, it sucks that it took him passing away to do something like that, but I'm glad they did that when they did. And now it's like, I mean, it's been five years and it's pretty much, I I don't think there's going to be any difference. I don't think they're ever not going to do it now. It seems like Mm -hmm. they just do it now. And it's great. I love it. I think it's cool as shit because it's like, it almost is like emotional the way the song is because it's like, um, it's great lyrics and it's a good song. And I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm very happy that I got to go to the game. It's been so long and it's just, you know, I live so far away now. So it's like, I can't just, you know, drive up to, you know, 75 to go to the game. So it's, it's, um, you know, 
it was a lot of work to do, but I'm so glad I did it. And so glad we were able to hand out stuff for uh hater radio and whatever. But uh, um, let's talk about the game. So I know a lot of people are pissed as Florida fans. I get it. I totally understand. Richardson looked again, mortal and, you know, is suffering from something seems to be a lack of confidence seems to be also them worrying about if he gets hurt, that they're going to be in a lot of trouble with their backups because Jack Miller is not healthy as of yet. So seems like he's kind of tentative on things. They tried to pass more this game than the Kentucky game. And I think they, um, were forcing some stuff, especially that one at the end zone where shorter, um, was there, but, uh, Anthony missed it. I think he needs to throw that outside so that if he doesn't catch it, nobody catches it type thing, but he kind of just kept it in the field of play. And that really gave that USF DB a chance, but I will counter with all of what I just said with the fact that I am a USF fan and I know Ian, you are as well. Cause you go there. Um, that was a great performance by USF and much needed considering how much, um, how much heat Jeff Scott has been taking the last couple of weeks. And, you know, everyone was getting kind of pissed. A lot of the people that I follow on Twitter, uh, were upset. My boy, uh, uh, Jason uh, McDowell, I think that's his name. He's on Twitter. Um, he he was really upset, and we were talking, and he just let me know that he's just very frustrated, like, how the team was going. And, like, you know, it's it's tough when you're, like, spending so much money to go to these games, and the team looks like shit, and it's not entertaining. Like, I totally get it. I totally understand it to voice your concern. And, like, I, I don't know. I... As of right now, as of where they are with this season for Jeff Scott, I'm on board. And I think that that was the important thing was that USF got on board. And it was like, as being a fan of both teams, this was the best possible outcome that could happen. Florida still winning and USF looking very good as well. Um, but, uh, Ian, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Cause I know you've, you were, you were telling me you texted me on Saturday morning that you had some stuff ready to go. So what do you got? Um, this is from the Florida perspective then. Um, if you want a passing offense, bench AR and I'm being dead serious. That's what I was saying. I was telling everybody I was there with. I said, if you want to have an offense that is built on passing, it's not going to be through Richardson. Richardson, flat out, cannot pass. He does not read the routes correctly, and that was most evident in that interception, his first interception coming back from the halftime. It was a clear elementary read that the linebacker was right there on that spy, and he threw it. And I'm thinking, you know, like there's no chance you as soon as you let that ball go, it does not get intercepted. And my other thing I'll add is if you know he cannot pass, why are you letting him audible at the goal line at the five yard line on first and five to pass it? That is not on. I say that's more on coaching than that is on Richardson, because who says, yeah, no, throw the ball, even though 
you haven't thrown a passing touchdown. You've been very inaccurate all season. Yeah, on first and five, do do it. I just don't understand what it is. I, Florida should not have won this game. Just straight up. USF, I will give my credit to USF. That was the best game I've seen USF play in maybe three years. They did everything right except, again, turnovers. They just – USF got in their own way, and Florida is beyond lucky. There was the botched snap on both the field goal and the play before it, the two interceptions, the fumble. Florida should not have won this game. They just straight up. Florida was outplayed, outcoached in all facets. Even def- defensively, I understand Ventrell Miller was out, but it was just unacceptable how USF would just run and get – I think – there was only maybe like a handful of times South Florida was actually going backwards, running the ball. And I'm thinking to myself, and the other thing too, is when Bohan would throw, there was no pressure. He, there was not one sack that game. There was maybe a hurry or two from him. They were just playing soft shell zone. uh, The times he threw. And I'm just like seething watching this. I'm saying, look, if you know you're getting gashed right yeah. now, this is what I'm telling you. Put the linebackers up at the line and play man. And if they beat you, they beat you. They shouldn't yeah. because I don't – I seriously doubt a USF is going to out-athlete a Florida recruit, just being blunt. But that's what I said. You play man and you have them come up to try to at least limit the run. And there was no adjustment to that whatsoever. This was a win, but it felt like a loss to me because, again, Florida should have lost this game. There was not the only positives I took from it was that the running attack is still effective and dangerous and needs to be relied more on. And the secondary was pretty much the only good thing from the defense of that it was able to get coverage. When it mattered, in fact, they had to make most of the tackles because the linebackers were just over-pursuing. But yeah. when it comes to everything else, it was very bad. Too many penalties as well. There was a lot of you know, just times they got shot in the foot. And again, it goes back to Richardson not running it. Because um, t- that was the other thing. I'm, so from my point of view, when I was watching the game, I was behind the end zone. And if anybody was wondering... Me and my uncle actually got on TV behind the end zone. Um, yeah, I posted it on Twitter for y'all to see if you want to see it. I might even might even even pin it to my profile so everyone can see. Yeah, it. but this was but for my I was literally seeing what AR was seeing on the field. Those he had the middle of the field open, and that was I take it back. The other positive is that the offensive line played fantastic. Actually, the offensive line was very good. Um, but they were giving the AR the middle of the field. Like they were playing, they were covering everybody. And I'm just, I was literally yelling. Everybody was yelling, just run. And I understand now they were telling them, be careful. We don't have anybody backing up. And I said, my counter to that was, well, do you want AR to have confidence and be healthy or do you want to win the game? Because that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And they did win the game. And I, I will, I will counter with the fact that. Yeah. 
maybe that one interception to start the half was kind of whatever. Cause like, you know, start of the half, you know, is what it, it is. Such a bad one. It was just, it was so, terrible, but it wasn't I like will a say play that USF the one, made. AR just like, you could have, he could have softballed it to him. No, I know. But the, the one, the one in the end zone is the difference though, because if that one in the end zone doesn't happen, Florida probably wins comfortably. And the or you got to remember also Florida was up at one point by 24-10, I believe. It was, 24-10 so, was the biggest lead Florida yeah, had. Yeah, so 24-10. I honestly thought at that point it was going to be a blowout. I thought Florida was going to impose their will, run the ball, and that was going to be over. But USF stayed in there, and I will say – that was the biggest problem out of anything of the game between the two teams, which I did something better because Florida ran the ball well as, as well, but USF really ran the ball and who really was the key was uh Bati. And this kid is unreal, man. He is a excellent returner. And now they're obviously realizing they need to just key on him as the guy. Cause he is, He's deadly. You know, he can break big runs. He's uh, patient behind his blocks. And, um, you know, I I didn't love Bohannon's passing game, but he was effective as a runner. He picked up a lot of first downs, and he was also um, very good uh, at pulling when he needed to, um, you know, and taking off. So, overall... I would say that that Florida could have could have potentially blown this team out, but at the same time, USF played really well to keep in this game and to take a lead late. Now I know you're upset with like the passing game. Um, you know what? I think it's they not, were trying not, some stuff. I was upset with the passing game. I was upset with just slamming the head in the wall. Yeah, there was no passing game. And that's what yeah. I was saying. It was that AR, look, he, he just can't pass. So why well, I, are you like just hammering a, a square into a circle hole? The thing that needs to happen. The thing that needs to stop the most is they need to stop these uh, tunnel screens to Xavier Henderson and like the, you know, the sweeps to him. Cause he's not, he's not like shifty enough to get away from guys. He's fast, but he's not like elusive. And so like, he needs more like, you know, downfield stuff. They, they need to really stop that stuff. Like it's not working. And I don't know why they keep doing it. I think if they put someone like, they don't even have anyone. That's the problem. They don't have someone to do those jet sweeps. And that's really how their offense is predicated because they use those jet sweeps to then have them potentially come by to then open up and make the defenders think that there is a jet sweep. And they do it a lot so that they set it up so that they'll lull them to sleep to then hit it big. But none of them have hit big. None of those jet sweeps, none of it. Like it hasn't done even like remotely well so they need to get rid of that and um i don't know i'm not giving up on ar because i know that he has shown flashes in the past and also this is his what fourth game ever starting 
Like, and he hasn't had a complete cupcake. It's not like he's played Charleston Southern or Eastern Washington yet to get 250 yards. You know, like he's, he's definitely, you know, play, like he played Kentucky, Utah, and now uh, like that may be potentially a decent USF team. And it's like, you know, I don't know. People are, you know, Florida's had the toughest schedule first three games, and then next week it's going to be another tough game. So they've had probably the toughest four-game stretch out of anyone in the country. I would argue that. It's probably the toughest stretch in the country. And if they end up beating Tennessee, they would go three and one. That would be phenomenal when most people thought they would go two and two or one and three. So if they can end up beating Tennessee next week, which we'll talk about later, it would be huge for them. I don't know if they will. I don't think they will, but it's potential there. Uh, so, do you have anything so, else on this? Cause we got to move on, but yeah, the final thing I am, and it's the only solace I have in this. And yeah. even the coaching staff admitted it. This was kind of a back to earth, Sentiment and this thing, I even after the Utah win, I was I'm still not sold. Again, I, they they have to prove to me they can win games, and even the coaching staff admitted this team is not not that it's not good, but there's not enough depth and there's not enough talent to run away with a lot of these games or to get big wins right now, and that was made clear that Saturday. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. All right, so Michigan State, Washington, you know, we talked about them all last year, last two years. Michael Penix Jr., you know, kind of off the radar because he went somewhere else. But, man, the kid is just dynamite, man. The kid is so good. Like, I'm amazed that, like, no one knows about him. Like, I know people that probably are Indiana fans and like that watch Big Ten football know who he is, but like I don't think anyone else really knows who he is because he's not someone that's on the national scene much. But that was a huge game going up against a really good opponent in Michigan State, and Washington wins 39-28, and it never was close. Like he had them in that and just beaten the hell out of them. And they were just the he he's got a really good arm. Like, yeah. that's what it really is. Like, it's not even like he's he's elusive. It's like he's got a really good arm. And he, I don't know, man. I'm I'm amazed that he was even at Indiana. Like, I don't know why, why that was the only team recruiting him or whatnot. But who cares? He's now at a good school and with good talent around him. I'm I'm really intrigued what will happen with this team because, you know, like I said, I'm high on USC and I'm high on Utah, but then you got Oregon and now Washington up there. So there's, there's at least four teams in the mix there in the PAC 12. So it's like very interesting to see what happens with this Washington team. What's your thoughts on this, Ian? I'm I'm with you. Uh, Penix and that offense had a fantastic game. Um, and and they were just able to, uh, take advantage of a lot of opportunities, take advantage of the safety and just, you know, put the pedal to the metal and not let Michigan State get into it. Michigan State did, you know, start scoring, but it was during uh, later in the game. Yeah. Uh, Washington just made the bigger plays in the bigger moments is what it was. Yeah. You know, Washington had over 500 yards and Penix had almost 
I think he had 400, 400 397. Yeah. 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 Um, and four touchdowns. So it was a fantastic yeah. game by Washington, Michigan state. It's a very, it's a big blow because that was a game, you know, that they were supposed to not, you know, blow Washington out, but there was, that was a game that they should have handled. Um, at the very least, we're going to lose, lose on a, you know, like a flip field goal or something, but they were just dominated thoroughly by this team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Moving on. Uh, SMU Maryland, interesting game. I, uh, you know, obviously came down to the wire. Maryland wins 34, 27 or your thoughts on this one. Um, same, same thing. It was kind of high. What I was thinking, it was, um, high powered offense is going at it. Um, but again, it, it goes back to like what I said um, earlier that, you know, Maryland was kind of the more balanced team. And I think that's what SMU struggled with because they didn't know what was coming. So that was kind of the deal breaker on why Maryland uh, was able to uh, run away with it, especially in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they, they had 225 yards rushing. So that's definitely uh, – um balance because it was 214 passing so yeah very even attack there uh this this game i didn't watch at all ucf fau i only really put it on there because i was like intrigued to see if fau was going to win and obviously they didn't and i was wrong but uh ucf wins 40 to 14 anything that stands out to you and then we'll move on um you know fau they had that upset scare in the first quarter and then ucf right we just ran away with it yeah Okay, uh, so the the game of the day was the Miami-Texas A&M game, the big game that everyone was all hyped about. And it kind of lost its luster because um, uh, A&M had lost to App State the week before. But I was going to say, you know, honorable mention of game of the day, what, to me, that was that App State game. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. that. I wanted to mention that. I'm glad you mentioned it because I, I did want to say it. Yeah, what a crazy ending. So they, they had college game day there and there was a ton of people that came out for it, which is really cool. They showed up and showed off for their school and, um, and then they almost lost and it was so close. And then uh, they threw the hail Mary at the end with no time left and won the game. And it's just, just a wild ending. So uh, hats off to them. And, you know, I hope they get many more college game days and I don't know. I don't know where they're heading, but like, with the playoff expanding, you know, you will probably see App State, you know, sticking its head in there and potentially getting in the playoff every once in a while. So regardless of what conference they end up going. So let's talk about this. So Miami, Texas A&M, huge game, uh, you know, a really important game for Miami because they don't really have that many tough opponents this year. I think Clemson is like the only tough opponent they have. And well, – uh what and pit. and pit yeah yeah and pit right so clemson and pit and that was really it so this was one of their three games that they have to show off and their offense they did. i mean well they they did they, but again in the red zone field goals can only get you so far and that's and they they missed a, quite a few field goals as well cuz what was it he was he missed two of them and the longest one it said that he made was 34. So he made some short ones, but it's like, I don't know. I, 
it's just they really couldn't they couldn't score touchdowns and that's the difference you know if you can't yep. put it in the end zone you're going to lose games especially big games and you know Texas A&M did enough and it's funny like Max Johnson I don't know what it is the kid is not like the most talented kid but he seems to be effective he was effective at LSU you know he beat Florida that year and he beats Miami here he's he just knows how to win, even though he's not the like most talented kid in the world. And um, I don't know. I I don't think highly of Texas A&M. I still think they're like a, you know, probably an eight and four team. But um, I think that this is this is more an indictment of Miami than anything, because like I this doesn't like push Texas A&M to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to be a 10-win team this year. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. This says more about Miami because they, yeah, they outplayed this, A&M. Yeah, I mean, they, they outgained them, and it's just I think I think A&M's defense is good, and that's really probably the, the highlight of this whole game was the fact that AM's defense was keeping them in check enough to be able to to survive and um i don't know i, I think just the fact that miami did not win this game and, and one of their only tests of the year that's going to really be held against them regardless of how well they do the rest of the year so you know if they if they if they win out it's still going to be tough for them to get in the playoff because of how bad they looked against AM. But I still think they're going to lose another game, at least one of them to Clemson or Pitt. But uh, what? anything to, to add on here? This is the same thing as you were mentioning. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just frustrating because that was the game Miami should have won, but they just could not capitalize. In the, again, Texas A&M made the big plays when they mattered, and – Miami just couldn't capitalize on the many opportunities they had. Okay, so let's do, 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 do Utah, San Diego State. I did not watch the highlights of this one. Can you give a recap if you uh, if you did uh, check the highlights or any of this game? Uh, I did, and Utah's back on the map. Yeah. Uh, Cam Rising had a fantastic game, um, easily his best game of the season. He had four touchdowns, um, although it was only for two over 200 yards. But Utah just dominated this game. Uh, only allowed, um, they held San Diego State, to, I believe, under 200 yards in the first two turnovers. It was all Utah, um, all game. Um, definitely a big bounce back, uh, what they needed to, you know, after the win last week. Um, and this one, they're, they're, you know, and I get they played like Southern Utah last week, but facing yeah. a team, um, an actual um, San Diego State, which is technically still a tune-up, but still proving the consistency and recovering from that uh, loss. They're doing very well. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it, but I saw the score and I'm looking at the stats yeah, and it looked like, you know, pretty, um, pretty much an ass-whooping. You know, time of possession was even, but uh, um, stat-wise, like, 
San Diego State only threw it for 60 yards. Like if you're yeah. throwing the ball in for 60 yards and a total of 173, you're more than likely going to lose big. So, all right, let's move on. Fresno State, USC. I watched highlights here. You know, USC wins 45-17 and Caleb Williams looks uh, uh, just downright deadly. Um, you know, Jordan Addison was looking loose. I don't think Jordan Addison scored in this game. Um but like I said earlier, Travis Die. I mean, that kid, I I'm such a huge fan of Die because he looks like old school without like any gloves or like tape or anything on his hands and his elbows and pads or anything. He's got nothing. He's just you know, complete, you know, like old school back. And, you know, he had over a hundred yards. The other back for them had a hundred yards. Uh Williams had two eighty-four. Uh, oh, Addison did score. So there you go. So he that's three games in a row, a row that he's had a touchdown. Um, just I'm telling you, man, USC is getting rolling right now. And like because they're on the West Coast, no one's really talking about them. But as soon as they play like a big game, like if they play the Oregon or they play Utah or whatever, I can't remember which one's their big one. I'm going to look on it right now. But uh, they uh Oh, next week actually is a good one, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah. Oregon State is definitely a deadly team that they'll play. They play Utah as well. So they're, those two games, Oregon State and Utah, will be telltale warily, where this USC is heading. And I think they're trending very well. They're they're heading in the right direction. Yeah, agreed. Okay, uh, last one. I'm going to let you do this because I didn't see the highlights as well. UTSA, Texas. Uh, go ahead, Ian. Yeah. But, um, obviously, UTSA, uh, fan of them. <laughs> They've had the most. You want to talk about a brutal start. That's them. Again, this is another game. They played very well. Um, they were dominating time of possession. And Harris was dynamic at quarterback. Um, you know, Texas had a lot of trouble answering for them. And I get, you know, they won by two scores, but UTSA was hanging in there. The score doesn't tell the whole story. Um, but UTSA, the, the, you know, the waters will be much clearer after this. The biggest thing was uh, B. John Robinson had his game. I think I remember saying that. He has not had that breakout game, and he definitely made an impact. He had over, I think it was 183 yards and three touchdowns um, in this one. He was the difference maker, and there you want to talk about not having the answer. They could not stop him, um, and he looked uh, great. Hopefully, he can continue this for the next game and throughout the season. Um, but it was a very good game. Definitely was an offensive uh, clinic. But once the second half started, Texas just rolled over. Nice. All right. So let's do the Heisman standings. Who do you have in your Heisman list this week, Ian? Uh, Caleb Williams, uh, Sam Hartman, B. John Robinson, and uh, Brock uh, Brock Bowers. Brock. Sam Hartman. Well, what did Bowers have this week? What were his numbers? Uh, I know he had like two touchdowns. He had over um, 100 yards receiving. He only had like five catches. But man, he made the most of all of them. Yeah. 
I have CJ Stroud, who threw for like six touchdowns. Caleb Williams, who had like a total of four touchdowns. And Bryce Young struggled, but I think he still did well, considering it was a, a terrible team they were playing. But the key from this one is Will Anderson, because now Will got his touchdown scoring on in that pick six he did. And that's huge for him because he's a D lineman, you know, a DN. So it's like, they don't get many of those. And so him getting one at least is huge for him. Cause if he gets another, that's a real like lean lean, like all he needs is stuff like that. And he gets a big edge compared to these other guys. He just needs some little things that's splashier than just sacks and tackles for loss. He needs something that's like really going to stand out and like a pick six or a fumble recover for a touchdown as well are something that'll change uh, people's minds about his ability to, to win. Okay, so playoff teams. I have Alabama number one still. I'm still sticking with them. Uh, UGA, Georgia second. And... I'm between USC and Ohio State. I'll just say they're both three and four. I'm not really designating who. Um, I don't have a two last out because I'd probably say like Clemson and probably Michigan. But uh, who do you have in your top four at least? Yeah, I have um, Georgia at number one, Buckeyes at number two, Bama at three, and USC at four. And my first two out are Michigan and Oklahoma. Oh, you got Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Oklahoma because we really haven't talked about that much. You know, Nebraska oh, fired yeah, Scott. Yeah, four irons, uh, Nebraska. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Nebraska fired Scott Frost, so the game was not going to be worthwhile talking about. Um, I will wait until Oklahoma starts playing better teams, and then we'll start talking about them. But it's, again – when you play terrible teams, I have nothing to talk about for you. I really don't. Like, like, what is there to talk about? You can't, you can't actually tell a team is good playing a terrible team. It doesn't do any good to destroy a terrible team. It's like, oh, you beat them. You should do that. That's not any good. But if you actually play a good team, then you can tell if you if you lose close or if you beat the piss out of them, then it's like, all right, this team is good. But as of right now, I have no way of knowing if this Oklahoma team is any good. And we won't know until they get into their big 12 schedule. So let's move on to the week four look ahead. First game of the week that we have that is a big one is West Virginia Vatech. I have not seen much of Vatech this year, so I don't know how good they are. Um, I'm going to lean more towards West Virginia just because JT Daniels is a competent quarterback, and I don't know what for Virginia Tech has for an offense. So I'm going to say... And I like their running attack as well with West Virginia. So I'm going to say West Virginia wins 27 to, I'll say, uh, 17. What do you got? Um, I act, This one I think is going to be a defensive struggle because Virginia Tech has actually done a good job defensively. Um, they actually have one of the best defenses in the ACC. And I think they're going to hold West Virginia here. I'm going to take the Mountaineers in this one, but very close. I'll go with a 20 to 17 win for West Virginia. 20 to 17. Okay. All right. Next up, Virginia Syracuse. Now, your boy Armstrong, we haven't talked about him all year yet because they really haven't played anybody. But uh, this is 
the more I've watched of Syracuse, the more I've liked. And as it's gone on, they beat Purdue last week. We didn't talk about that, and I probably could have brought it up. That was an interesting game. I watched some of it, and then I also watched the whole highlight package. Yeah, that that ending was crazy. And um, Syracuse seems like a team that is going to probably win like eight or nine games, potentially. I think they are. I think they have that in them. And... I like Armstrong. I think he's got a solid arm and he's a very good quarterback. Just the rest of their team is not very good. And it's just usual for Virginia. That's just seemingly what it is. They don't have a lot of talent that goes there. So I think Syracuse win this wins this one. And I'm going to say Syracuse wins 34 to 25. Um, For me, I think Syracuse runs away with this, actually. Virginia has been very disappointing this year. Yeah. Um, they've had, they do have the two wins. Uh, I know they played Richmond and they won like 34 to like, I think it was 17. Um, yeah. Not that that's bad. There was two scores, but they scraped by against Old Dominion and they got shut down 24 to 3 against Illinois, I remember. I don't know where the offense went. But with any chance to win this game, they're going to have to find it. But I just think there's too many problems for Virginia. They're so dysfunctional offensively. Syracuse just runs away with it. I'm going to go with a 38-13 to 13 win for the Orangemen. Okay. All right, next up, Maryland, Michigan. Who you got? Um, <laughs> This one, I, I, I'm kind of tempted on making this my upset pick. Oh, I'm. I said I'm tempted. Yeah, but I'm gonna go with um Michigan on this one. Mm. Um, I think it is a trap game, and I do think Michigan will have a tough time putting uh Terrapins away. But I I'm gonna go with the Wolverines on this one. I'll go with a thirty to twenty five win for Michigan. See, I was. Thinking it out as we were talking, just as you were saying, and I'm like thinking, I'm like, all right, this game's going to be close. I first was thinking maybe Michigan's going to win this, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to go with Maryland just because it's like, fuck it. Like, you know, you can pick an upset every once in a while, so you might as well just do it just to do it because it's like you should do it instead of just always picking the favorite. Because mm-hmm. if you always pick the favorite, you're never going to be 100% correct. You got to throw in some upsets here and there. So I'm going with a very close one. I'm going to say Maryland wins 28 24. And uh, I don't think Michigan's offense is going to be very good against Maryland. I think Maryland's going to be able to move the ball. Okay. So this is probably the biggest game of the day besides um, the Florida Tennessee game, but Clemson Wake Forest. I'm intrigued to see what happens in this game. I really like Wake Forest in this game because I don't know how good Clemson is from last year's debacle of a season, which a debacle they still won 10 games, which is kind of – That really says something when – it's like the year – I remember I made it one of the first season previews I had. I go, it really says something for – it was when Alabama, like they lost two games – and I said, it really says something how spoiled of a program you are when losing two games is considered a down year. Yeah. Um, 
I like Sam Hartman a lot more than I like DJ Ugalele or whatever you say. Ugalele. I think very highly of Sam Hartman. And I think he's probably going to be in the NFL, depending on what that medical thing was. I don't know. Kind of scares me a little bit because they didn't say what it was, which is weird. Could be something like uh, mental health wise, why they didn't say what it was. Um, but, uh, regardless, he's a solid quarterback who, uh, makes plays every week. And I think he's going to win this one. I'm going to say Wake Forest wins 38 and I'll say Clemson puts up some points. I'm going to say 30, 38 to 30. What do you got? I was going to say, it's a, it's not fun when my upset of the week pick is when you pick two. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this was it. I had wake, I have wake beating Clemson. Um, Clemson offensively, it's not bad, but I think it's going to like come down to a shootout. And I just trust Wake's Wake Force offense against that defense more. But these teams statistically are actually very even. Yeah. And for me, I'm going to take Wake in this one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go very close. I'm going to go with a 31 to 27 win for uh, the Demon Deacons. Okay, moving on to Baylor, Iowa State. So Baylor came back and won last week, and um, Iowa State kind of just, I don't know, maybe they're sneaky good in this game. Maybe they're, like, going to pull the upset. I don't know. What's, what's your opinion on this one? Oh, yeah. I've got, I've, I actually have a lot Iowa State. In, in this one, it's not really an upset pick. Um, I guess it is because Baylor's ranked. Baylor's ranked, yeah. Iowa State's yeah. ranked. But Baylor has been playing against defense. With the time they had to play a strong, a stronger defense, they completely collapsed against BYU. And Iowa State, I've always said, is a Big Ten team disguised in the Big 12. And they have a solid defense they've been built on. The offense um, is good. And I think it'll be good enough to beat a team, uh, a defense like Baylor and that. Because I was always thinking, I think Iowa State is at the same level as BYU. And with that, I'm I'm gonna take Iowa State in this one. I'll go, um, I'll go 27 to 21 uh, for Iowa State. I'm leaning towards Baylor in this one, just because. Um... I liked I liked the fact that even though they lost to BYU, it was really close, and they fought in that one, and they came back. Um, and I think they can beat this Iowa State team because nothing really, like, stands out to me Iowa State-wise. Like, yeah, their defense is solid, but I don't think their offense really scares me. But I still think they'll keep it close. So I'm going to say Baylor wins 27-24. Okay, next one, uh, TCU-SMU. Um, I think Mordecai goes off. I'm going to say they win like 42 to like, I say 22. What do you got? Um, I actually think it's going to be more of a shootout and it'll be closer. And I, I honestly think it might come down to who has the ball last. I'm, I'll take SMU in this one as well. I'll go with a 45 to 
38 win for the Mustangs. Okay. All right. Big one. This is really, this is USF's biggest test this year. Like if they can win, beat Louisville on the road, this would be huge. Cause they, they knew they probably weren't going to beat Florida on the road and they, they were competitive and they actually played well. And they, they were, had the ball with a chance to win at the end. So the game that against Florida is probably the momentum they need to hopefully get the win against Louisville here this week. And I'm going to say the USF pulls off the victory and I'm going to say USF wins. I'm going to say 31 to 24. What do you got? Um, I really, really, really want USF to win this. This is like what I remember. I, do you want the fan prediction or do you want the <laughs> analyst prediction? Give me, give me reality. I don't care what what your our fans okay, are fandom the, the is. Anal- the reality of it. Yeah, I think Louisville bounces back from dropping one from FSU and corrects their mistakes. And South Florida just can't get out of their own, own way. I'm gonna go with Louisville on this one, and I'll go with a twenty-eight to twenty win. For the Cardinals, I will say this though. Uh, I, I might have to look at their schedule deeper, but that might be the last time. I think actually, I think they played Cincy and Houston. Okay, maybe not in a row, but this is the last like bad loss USF will have for this season. And I agree. I totally agree with that because I think the because they haven't played anyone in conference yet. So that's what they they played a really tough schedule. They played BYU. Florida and Louisville, and then that one Howard team. They but th- those, Howard. yeah, but those three teams are really tough, and they played two of them on the road. So it's like they've been kind of you know, you know, really dealt a shitty hand with how they scheduled it. But whatever, you know. And it's just it's kind of funny that Louisville played right in a row. They played UCF, they played Florida State, and now they're playing USF. They're playing all these Florida teams. It's funny. Um, but uh, I still think South Florida can do it, especially how they performed last week. Um, if they can, you know, really capitalize in the passing attack and take advantage of the fact that they're running so well and then play action pass and whatnot off of that and use Bohannon as a – you know, as a playmaker, I think they can really do some things the rest of the year. Okay. UCLA, Colorado, UCLA coming off a very pedestrian victory over South Alabama, I believe. Yep. And they were, yeah. And they only won by like one point. So didn't look great, but Colorado is not the best of teams, but it's kind of a good, team to start off pack 12 play so hopefully they can get something you know something going here um i think ucla wins this one i'm gonna say ucla wins uh 34 to 20 what do you got ian um you mentioned colorado you know is pedestrian in that yeah colorado might be and i might not be exaggerating on this Colorado might be the worst Power Five team out there <laughs> so far. These three games, yeah, I am being dead serious. At least two, uh, you know, so far. 
Yeah. I think UCLA puts a four iron to them, and I think they just blow the Buffaloes out of the water. I'm going to take UCLA. I'm going to go 45 to 14. Ooh, that's a beat down. All right. Minnesota, Michigan State. Does Michigan State get back on track? Oh, man. (laughs) This is like, I'm going to. I I don't know. Minnesota's defense is just so solid. I'm going to say no. I, I'm going to go with Minnesota. I think Minnesota uh, puts enough stops on it, and the rushing attack just buries um, Michigan State. I'm going to go with the Gophers. I'll go a close one. I'll go maybe 24 to 19 for uh, Minnesota. I think it's going to be close too, but I'm leaning more towards Michigan State. I'm going to say like a 34-32 game. This is what I'm leaning towards. Okay, Texas, Texas Tech. Um, Texas looks really good. You know they, uh, you know, uh, beat UTSA last week. They barely lost to Alabama. Um, Texas Tech is coming off that loss to uh, NC State. I'm going to say. Because uh, this this is a game that they Texas cannot lose anymore. If they really want to be one of those teams that wins, you know, 9, 10, 11 wins a year, they cannot lose games like Texas Tech. They have to beat these teams, these middle-of-the-road teams. So I'm going to say Texas wins this one. I'm going to say Texas wins uh, 38 to 22. What do you got? Um. You mentioned that Texas shouldn't lose these games. And I, I agree. Texas shouldn't. <laughs> I know what you're going to do. <laughs> but they will. Yeah. <laughs> I think Texas Tech wins this. I guess, I guess this counts as an upset. Uh, yeah. I know Texas is ranked. But I know Texas Tech's offense has been under the radar, but it has been deadly. And Texas's defense has been... They, they did solid. well against Alabama. They did well against Alabama. Yeah. But I don't know if, I don't know if it's enough to hold on against these teams because that's the thing with um, Texas Tech is that they, they will run the ball. And Texas struggled with that, especially with the movement in the pocket when it comes to their quarterback as well. Um, Texas shouldn't, but I just think it's one of those games that Texas somehow drops. I'll, 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 I'm going to take Texas Tech in this one. I'm going to go um, 34 to 28. So you have Texas Tech winning? I have Texas Tech winning, 34 okay. to 20. All right. So game day is going to be in Knoxville. And, um, you know, this is this is Tennessee's Super Bowl. You know, because they know they're not going to win the SEC this year. They know they're not good enough to beat Georgia this year. But this, you know, much like Kentucky's Super Bowl is Florida, Tennessee is, uh, or Florida is Tennessee's Super Bowl as well. So, you know, years past, I probably would have said, you know, Florida's going to blow them out, whatever. They look like crap. This is not the same Tennessee team that we've seen the last 20 years. This is definitely an offense that puts up 35, 
45 plus points. But their defense is soft and they let up a lot of points even to Pitt's backup when Keaton Slovis went down. So I don't know if Florida is going to necessarily be able to keep up with Tennessee, but I know that Tennessee's defense is not going to be able to probably stop Florida's rushing attack, which I think if Florida can focus on that, they can make this a very interesting game. If they're able to impose their will, which I think they can, they've they've been able to run pretty much on everyone so far. Uh, the Kentucky one, not as well. But the out of the three games, they've rushed over 200 yards twice. And one of the teams was a top 10 team at the time. So um, I think they can run the ball. If they run for like 250 plus, I think there's a good chance that Florida stays in this game. If they win it is another question. Because of staying in the game, that more than likely it's going to be a close game. And if it's going to be a close game, then I'm thinking that Anthony Richardson has to make plays. I think they might be willing to take chances this game because it's such a more difficult game than in the games past. And if that's the case, then um, you could see Anthony run more, which that would be great because I would love to see him like run away from these Tennessee defenders and get like a, you know, two like 50 yard runs, you know, which is possible. He's definitely capable of that. He's done that against other teams, so he definitely could do it. Um, I don't think they need to rely on their passing attack as much. Um, They will, though, on key moments, and that is probably why I think Florida will probably lose this game. And I'm going to say Florida loses this game. I'm going to go... Oh, geez. Because Tennessee can score a lot. I'm going to say Tennessee scores 31, and I'm going to say Florida scores uh, 24. What do you got, Ian? Um, I I just can't go into this game seeing how the team has played the last two weeks, even three weeks, and be confident in that offense and even defense. Um, I just think Tennessee's offense is so dangerous and deadly that while I think Florida's defense does necessarily play better, it won't look like it because I just think Tennessee's offense is that good. Um, and I just don't in, in the offense if they let you know they just take the training wheels off Richardson and they just go to the running attack, which has been working this year. Um. Yes, I could see them saying it, but I, I, the difference is that Tennessee scores so fast and so frequently that Florida just can't catch up. I just see Tennessee pulling away in this one late, um, especially in the second half. I, I got Tennessee in this one 38-17. So a blowout, you're saying? Yeah, they, they just run away in the second half. I think maybe towards the second quarter, it, it'll be like, 24 to 17, but I, I just can't see it. Florida just catching, just staying at that same pace as Tennessee is what I'm saying. 
All right. Uh, moving on. Arkansas, Texas A&M. Who you got? Um. <laughs> yeah, Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. I A&M hasn't. It's the same thing I've had before. A&M has given me no reason to believe you can beat a team like that. Um, now, Arkansas's defense has been very anemic. And I definitely know this is the best defense that KJ Jefferson is going to face so yeah. far this season. Um, and for A&M, it's the other way around. I think this is actually going to be the softest defense A&M will play. But I just don't see, again, how A&M has played these, to start the year that they can score as much as Arkansas. I'm going to go Razorbacks. I'll go 27-17. Yeah, and I got 38-20. I just I have no faith in this A&M team. I know they beat Miami, but the they they scored 17 last week and then the week before that they scored 14, so I don't see them putting much up against Arkansas. Okay, Wisconsin Ohio State. Uh I'm going to say I'm going to say Ohio State probably goes off in this game. I'm going to say Ohio State probably wins like 45 to, I'll say, 14. I just, you know, Wisconsin is not one of their, like, uber strong years. So this is like, you know, a team that defensively would have to be very stout to be able to stop C.J. Stroud, but I don't think they can. And I think the Ohio State offense is just going to roll and it's, you know, the defense isn't going to have to do much because it's going to force, when they go up, it's going to force Wisconsin to throw and that's not their strong suit. Like, they're a running team and if they're down, if they're down 17 nothing in the first quarter, the game is over. Like, they're not coming back. They're not a team that comes back from that. They're a team that, like, plods and plods and stays with you like a one score game one score game and then they like take advantage at the end and that's really what they do they wear you down i don't think that's going to be the case here i think cj stroud and the offense goes off uh what do you got uh, i agree i i just see ohio state uh blowing this one open um i'm gonna go with the buckeyes i almost same score 38 to 14 nice okay uh last three real quick Kansas State, Oklahoma. I know this is you. You're big on the quarterback for Kansas State, so I want to let you lead on this. Go ahead with this. Yeah, a, um, with Kansas State, um, because you know Adrian Martinez, um, kind of rebuilding himself at Kansas State. Um, the passing offense has been pretty effective, even though I, I think Martinez only still has one touchdown. Um, but it's been looking a lot better and a lot more efficient. Um, but they're still a running team. So they that's what that system is, is just play action uh, passing. The problem is, is that that is not going to fly against Oklahoma. And I think they're going to force Martinez to throw the ball more because uh, there's only so much you can do on the ground. Um, I think maybe Kansas State can, you know, maybe hang in there in the first, second quarter, but Oklahoma just has too much firepower. Um, I'm going to go Oklahoma running away. I'll go with a 41 to 20 win for the Sooners. I'm just thinking it's going to be closer for some reason. I just think Kansas State is going to be able to, like, 
move the ball a little bit, and I'm going to say Oklahoma wins, but it's going to be uh, 30 to 28, real close. Okay, uh, USC, Oregon State. I, you know, I have obviously been talking about how much, how highly I think of USC, and I really do. Offensively, they're very solid, and defensively, they're competent. Um, this is their first real test so far this season. Um, I'm going to say Oregon State is going to put a scare into them, but I think USC is going to win, and I'm going to say USC wins 34 to 28. What do you got, Ian? Um, I I think USC, they might struggle at the beginning, but I think they make the necessary adjustments to take, you know, take this one. I'm, I'm going to go with kind of similar vein score. I'm going to go take USC. I'll go with a 35-20 win uh, for the Trojans. 35-20? Yeah. Okay. Uh, last one. Stanford, Washington. I think this one's going to be a blowout. I, I think Stanford kind of, I don't know, they just <sighs> I, I like Michael Penix Jr. I think he's going to put up big numbers in this game. I'm going to say 35 to I'll say 20. What do you got? Um, I have almost the same score. Mm-hmm. I have 35 points for Washington, but I have 10 points less for Stanford. I think that oh. defense Washington has had steps yeah. up again. Um, and I think they hold Stanford to 10 points. I'm going to go with 35 to 10 win for the Huskies. Nice. Okay, so that completes our look ahead and the show. Um, a lot of good games. Uh, that Florida-Tennessee game is going to be the biggest one. There will be a lot of talk the next couple of days about it. We're recording this on Tuesday night. So usually we try to record on Sunday, but just because I was traveling and whatever. So, um, but you can reach us at haterradio.com for all the articles that we have about uh, USC, UCLA, USF, and Florida. Um, You can also uh, reach us at hater underscore radio on Twitter and haterradio1 at gmail.com. Ian, what are your socials before we go? Yes, uh, YouTube G Gator G and uh, Instagram or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, you uh, yeah Instagram. Sorry, G double underscore Gator double underscore G. Nice. All right, that is the show. Everybody, we'll see you or we'll talk to you next week. But uh, have a good one. Later, y'all. Yeah.